I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name is Mason Stewart and I'll be your host for our special feature of Best 11. I'm delighted to say tonight we're gonna, we've are gonna we got Stuart Johnson. Is it Johnson? Or- Johnson, yeah. yeah. Johnson. Sorry, it's got the that. Scandinavian spelling. But yeah, should, have, should have asked that before there. Um, Stuart <laughs> Johnson from, from the Rangers, uh, Rabble joining us. Uh, how are you, Stuart? Yeah, yeah, really good. Really excited to, to go through it. Yeah, no, brilliant. It's a... Uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting one for listeners listening to two uh, Englishmen talk about how much they, uh, <laughs> they love Rangers. <laughs> so, uh, so let, let, let's get into into that, Stu. Before we get to your, your best eleven, um, why why are you uh, a Rangers supporter? What what's uh, what leads you to, to to support us? So, Scottish family for me. So, uh, nan and granddad. Well, half Norwegian granddad, which is where the second name comes from. Uh, so they they moved down. My dad was was just a boy. Um, so yeah, but he grew up supporting Rangers through through my granddad, and then I grew up supporting Rangers through him. So pretty much just yeah, it's it's weird to have an English accent and grow up supporting Scotland and Rangers and everything that they've they've done. It is it is a really weird one, and I mean I'm really pleased that I can sort of speak to someone about it and they know where you're coming from because uh, yeah, it is. I mean I, I bet you get it a lot as well. But even going to you know going to Rangers games or Rangers related you know, pubs or, or whatever, it's who's your actual team. Do you know what I mean? And mm. I find that really frustrating. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. And it's, you know, we've, to be fair, a couple of times, the last time I went up, we, um, the guy next to me was actually from, I'm from Portsmouth, and the guy next to me is from Bournemouth. Um, I know you, you, you spoke to me recently about Bournemouth, but he, um, yeah, this guy was from Bournemouth and, and we still keep in touch every now and then. Sometimes the, the Rangers Legends games is um, down in Portsmouth. One of the, the Lee Rigby Memorial one is down in Portsmouth. Um, and I'll bump into him there sometimes. So we're dotted about sort of everywhere. But yeah, it's, it is frustrating when you're up there and, and they hear the accents. So. <laughs> yeah, I get, get it all the time. Even Seville, like Seville, went to Seville. And um, 
I don't want to bring that back up. I brought it up on the other pod as well. But um, yeah, the amount of supporters that that were like, you know, uh, are you coming up because you thought West Ham were going to get there? And it was like, no, I'm here because I'm a Rangers supporter. Uh, so, uh, but it's good. I think it goes to show the sort of how big the, the fan base is. I think, you know, anywhere you go, we, we are literally everywhere. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, right. um, yeah, no, I was going to say on, on that, that, yeah, we are definitely, um, you know, we've got, there's a sports club not far from me, like just around the corner. Um, you know, even on even on our pods, we've we've got a guy that's you know, he's Scottish through and through, born and bred. But he found out that this guy lives two minutes down the road from me, and it's and I'm not I'm only from like a little small town in in Portsmouth, but it's it's just mad that this is like as south as you can go in the country, and, and you're still getting you know quite a few Rangers fans down here. Yeah, no, it's exactly the same as me. I mean, my my I was going to ask you about supporters club, but sort of my nearest supporters club is is the Green Man in uh, Islington and. Uh, I just always, every time I go there, I'm just always shocked and just by the numbers um, and especially for, for the bigger games, it's just sold out so quickly and uh, yeah, the pubs, you know, any supporters club, I suppose, they'll, they'll say the same thing for the big games, they're just not big enough. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just just mad, but yeah, go on. Sorry, yeah, no, I was, I was just completely concur with it. Like the, the one near us is it's, it's in Gosport, um, which is sort of, across the water in Portsmouth but it's, it's very very close and yeah the first time I went there I was I was quite shocked at how many I think it was just for a St Johnston game as well and um yeah I was just shocked at how big it was I think they've moved a couple of times but they've they've I think they've gone back since um haven't been in a in about a year or so but yeah just it's just crazy to me like you say can't can't if, you know, if the old firm's on you can't you can't get close to it no no it is and it's uh yeah it's, it is brilliant as I say from from being down here that you can go somewhere with with, with other uh, range of supporters that you know we're we're not we're not as lucky to go to to every home and away game. But do you get up quite often to to watch games too? Yeah, not as much as I used to. I mean, I, I tried to go up sort of minimum three four times. Um, I haven't actually been up this season, and and the first game I've literally got booked in for, and and this is I'm hope I mean I'm hoping I get a ticket because I know a couple of scenes I don't deserve. Uh, kindly offered the, the tickets already, but I'm going up for the Hibs game in December. Um, I think that's the 17th of December. That's a uh, Ibrox, but hopefully uh, a few more times after that. But um, yeah, I just think you know, certainly with the, the cost of living crisis and and you know with the fact that I'm a terrible flyer as well, so I tend to do the drive all the way from Portsmouth every time. And uh, with with the diesel prices and stuff like that, it's it's uh, not that doable anymore. You're a brave, brave man. So you drive from from Port. How long does that take to to get to Glasgow? Um, it's about seven hours. Uh, yeah, so it's not too bad. I tend to sort of leave, leave like two, three in the morning, and and then it's not too bad because you skip all the traffic. Um, I've tried the overnight the overnight coach thing, and that was a disaster. Like, so literally, you're like in a bed, and you think it's gonna be right. Then you got a hammock right above you with just someone else, just literally like this far away from your head, and it's. Yeah, I, I was like, I'll just drive from now on. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try and brave the plane in, in December, we'll see. Yeah, no, flight for me, that quick uh, 30, 35 minutes um, to, to Stansted and then, you know, it's only a 45 minutes in, in the plane. Mm. But but yeah, I'd, I'd done the train for Napoli actually last last week and um, that was that weren't too bad. That was about four and a half hours for, for the Napoli game, not too Napoli. But um, yeah, yeah that, that, that was good. But let's get on to it then, Stu. Let's, uh, let's get on to it to your... Uh, Rangers eleven, really looking forward to this. Um, let's start off with your your manager. My manager, 
Wow. <laughs> it's so hard. Like, I've, I was going over this since you asked me. I've been going over this. I've changed formation a million times. I've changed players a million times. I've changed the sort of, like, credentials that you need to get in the team. Um, but I think the one thing that, that hasn't really changed for me is the manager. Um, the, the first one I knew growing up, and then luckily enough for, for me and, and quite every range of sport, I came back and, and achieved great success. So, um, Walter Smith for me, I don't think it could be anyone else, um, you know, led us to that, that European final in 2008. Somehow, I mean, the, the football wasn't pretty, but, you know, what other manager could have taken that team all that way? Um, and, yeah, when I was when I first got properly into Rangers, sort of like six, seven, it was um, Walter was was already the man in charge, and yeah, obviously we had such a good team at that time in the in the sort of mid nineties, but yeah, I think just that was where my love for Rangers started growing. You know, as a kid, you don't understand too much about football, but just Walter being in charge, and you always knew he was the boss as well. You know, he didn't mess about, and I think even from an early age, like I. Generally, when I grew up, I thought it was just a Walter thing with the, the sort of suit and tie that on the uh, on the touchline. I didn't even when I was young didn't realise that was such a, a Rangers tradition. So I just so yeah, just looked up, admired Walt Smith and and everything he did for the club. So hundred percent Walt Smith in charge. Well said, mate. And and, and it's weird you say that because I, I felt exactly the same as a youngster. Sort of um, you know, every time I see Walt Smith on the on the telly, and he, he was always so smart. I think that was one thing that he sort of sticks out as a youngster. But uh, yeah, no, I think you, you've just described him really, really well. And, yeah, we're lucky enough, I suppose, our ages that, that we got to see him a second time and be so successful because you hear the stories, I'm sure you'd have heard from your dad and, and, and family about the success we had during the 90s. And uh, we managed to get some of that back uh, during the, you know, his, his second spell. So, no, I have to agree with that. Yeah, he was um, just... I remember when he was obviously managing Scotland during that little period. And I mean, even the results he got in Scotland, I know a lot of people look to, to McLeish for the um, the famous 1-0 night in, in Paris, but people forget that, that Walter Smith was, you know, he's the one that got, that got the win at home, which was just as important. Um, that was a, a ridiculous French, that whole group was a ridiculous group for Scotland. And, you know, from the moment Walter Smith came into that, that Scotland team, I think we lost 2-0 to Italy in his first game, maybe. Um, but even then, you saw the little improvements come in, and and when they announced he was he was leaving Scotland to come to Rangers, I mean, my dad was just going mental. He was just like he was so excited for it because you know he's passionately followed both. But to, to get Walter back was such a big for him, and I think because it was a big thing for him, it become a big thing for me. And yeah, just absolutely love the guy. No, it's just crazy. Some of the things you say because it's I had exactly the same with with, with my dad at the time and. Um, yeah, no, and, and Walt Smith. So I, I think it's fair to say we'll both never see a, a Rangers manager yep. uh, like that again. So, yeah. But that's a good start. So we'll, we'll get on to... Um, I'll, I'll get your formation, I think, at the end. We'll get your formation at the end once you've uh, you've picked your team. But but next up, uh, goalkeeper. Yeah, so I, I should sort of do a precursor that... Well, I said the, the sort of credentials I was, I was trying to pick. Um there was a few players I put in and then I sort of scrubbed them out because I thought, you know, they only had sort of one season at the club and I thought, can you really have a best 11? Um, and then I was like, should I have a best 11 based on the players my dad likes as well? And, and I was like, no, so it's got to be players I knew enough or I watched enough. Um, and I tried to, and I think they will match up. So I'm hoping no one's going to point it out if it doesn't, but um, I think they've all played uh, over a hundred competitive games for Rangers in some form. Um, so, the goalkeeper was obviously very tough. 
because I had I had three. I basically wrote three out, which was uh, Stefan Kloss, Andy Gorham, of course, and Alan McGregor. Um, McGregor has been someone that has obviously been fantastic. Uh, to even be at his age, he's still he's obviously just well, maybe got the number one shirt back. We don't know. Um, and Andy Gorham, I mean. I wanted to be a keeper when I watched Andy Gorham. That was I was only yeah seven eight maybe, and, and I just wanted to be a goalkeeper straight away. I think he was the first top I ever bought. Um, but when I started to understand football for the first time and and really got into football properly and and you know started to sort of convey my my own uh, opinions to people and 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 well convey them as fact more than anything. But um, I think at that time we we'd got Kloss in from Dortmund, Champions League winner. And yeah, I just I thought this guy was ridiculous. And to be honest, I was a big fan of um, <laughs> Lionel Chabonnier as well that we had the French keeper. I actually really liked him. So I was disappointed that Klaus come in because I thought oh, he's going to take Chabonnier's place now. But what an absolute superstar this guy was! And um, you know, he's, he was I don't well, I don't know I don't even know how tall he was, but I always thought he looked small for a goalkeeper, Stefan Klaus. Um, but yeah, he had everything: his shot stopping and just. What I absolutely adored about him was that sort of like that low sort of center of gravity. He used to like really crouch down, didn't he, before he would like fling out for a stop. And um, yeah, he was he was really unlucky with the obviously he got that I think it was that biking incident, didn't he, that, that had the injury and, and he's pretty much lost his. He never really regained it after that properly, no. um, which I was gutted about. But yeah, went on to captain the club and um, you know Der goalie. You can't how how could you have a bigger compliment than that to to be um adored by the supporters and named after you know the main man so I think for me Gorham is the best of all time but for my personal best 11 Stefan Kloss is in goal so that's that's really interesting so we've had a couple of pods and and uh yeah Kloss has, has made it made the grade over McGregor and Gorham but he, he was he was a very good goalkeeper um and, and he you know one thing that always stands out for, for Stefan Kloss is he obviously won the Champions League with Borussia Dortmund before he before he signed with us yeah, yeah, and it's we. I mean, we got them for a relatively cheap price as well. Like, I know, I know, obviously, it was a long time ago, but it was still cheap at the time. Um, and we, I mean, how many times could you say Rangers are going to go out and get a Champions League winner? It just it it wouldn't happen nowadays unless they're already sort of 35, 36. Kloss was probably not even in his prime at that point. He was he'd not yet hit it, and um, it was a crazy sign. I, I just I still remember. I was, I was still young, but just hearing that. We we signed you know the Borussia Dortmund number one and I was like this is crazy how have we got him and yeah he turned out to be such a superstar and yeah I was um I I, I didn't want it to be like a controversial thing because I know everyone loves Andy Gorham and I do too and he you know he was one of my favourites um growing up but as I say that when I really started to learn football and and start to understand it Kloss was our number one and um I d- I didn't think it would ever get better after Kloss so it was lucky Alan McGregor come along really because. I'd have, um, yeah, I'd have been absolutely heartbroken if if we just absolutely dipped after him. So we, we we've always been lucky, I think, to have a, a steady stream of really good goalies. No, we haven't. Uh, something that actually we we spoke on the pod the, the other week there that this is probably, uh, you know, I don't really I don't like looking back at 2012 to 2017 uh, until McGregor sort of come back. I, I wasn't a big fan of, of Wes Fodringham, but we've always been blessed that we, we've good goalkeepers and. You know, it's frustrating, obviously, at the moment, the team uh, goalkeeping wise is, is, is an issue for us. But you know, hopefully that, that, that there's a good goalkeeper in the summer uh, that's ready to. Uh, it might not be Stefan Kloss as good as Stefan Kloss, <laughs> but uh, we can't we can't afford that. But uh, but to, to get to get us, you know, 
um, a, a proper goalkeeper back in. But no, good good shout for the for the for the first one, shoe. So so next we'll go to to your right back. Uh, right back. So again, I mean, I mean, they're all going to be tough. I'm going to start everyone against you. Oh, this is tough, but they're all tough. They're they're so tough, and you're never going to please everyone because everyone is going to have their own, um, and they'll always sort of contradict you. And and to be honest, I think I contradict myself a little bit later on in the lineup because um, there's going to be times I, I didn't have Gorham because I didn't fully, you know, I was still a kid and I didn't fully understand football at that point. But later on, I, I do sort of have other people around that era, so I know I contradict myself and I'll have to apologise <laughs> ahead of time for that one. But um, right backs um, for me. I feel like the, the whole right side in recent years, you know, obviously not that recent with, with Tab, but the whole right side has just not been one of our strongest positions. Um, so when, when I was drawing up my list, I was looking through the defenders we've had over the years and there was only, and <laughs> I'm probably going to get pellets for this, but there was only two that stood out to me um, and it, they were both recent and, and that was Alan Hutton and, and James Tavernier and, um, I loved Alan Hutton's sort of slalom and runs. That that was a big thing for me. He was, I think, he was the first time. You know, we've we've obviously had attacking fullbacks before, but he he had that sort of. Um, he just had a different gear than he could. He could just take a gallop up the pitch, and I think Patterson is very much in the mold of Alan Hutton. Um, so I I've, I thought Alan Hutton was a fantastic player, and I was he was one of the players that I was gutted when we lost him. Even though we got a decent sum of money around the time, I was absolutely gutted that we lost him. That said. I had to go James Tavernier for my right back. Um, I I thought I had to put someone from the current crop of players in because they've achieved too much for them not to be involved. And I know it's the best 11 ever, and, and these are very, very recent. But I think captaining us to 55, which, you know, wasn't journey complete, but it, it was certainly, you know, back to the top of the mountain. And um, and then and then captaining us to a Europa League final. There's been There's been downs along the way. But I think the ups have far outweighed those. Uh, a modern fullback that can attack, that you will never, ever see numbers like that again. No one will produce numbers like James Tavernier has produced. Um, you know, he's, at times he's more of a striker than a right back. But, um, yeah, just when he got the captaincy, I wasn't keen when Gerard came in. I didn't think he was a captain, but I think he leads by example off the pitch a lot and... Um, you know, he, he's never going to be a shout or he's never going to be the big voice, but I think he does lead the team very well. And um, although I've, I've probably given him a fair amount of stick over the years, I think in terms of all round what we got for the money, bang for your buck, um, you know, the output, taking us back to the title, taking us to a European final, which I never thought I'd see. I thought 2008 would honestly be the last one I'd, I'd ever see. I thought I was lucky enough just to witness that. So to get another one was, was outrageous for me. So yeah, James Tavernier wrote back. I think it's a, you made some really good points there about Tav and, um, you know, Alan Hutton was one that, that I was the same as you. If, if it, to pick it, I would be looking and going really, really, I was gutted at the time he left to go Spurs as well. But it was sort of that six months where he just, he just come out of nowhere, didn't he? And he just stepped it up. Um, but yeah, for longevity, uh, Tavernier, and I think you make a really, really good point about the numbers. Um, we won't see that again. For whatever right back we replace eventually Tavernier with, we're going to struggle to get anywhere near. Um, yeah. his numbers but, but, but on Tavernier I'll, certain, I'll, I'll, I'll sit here and admit uh, there was a point uh, in his Rangers career where I completely wrote him off uh, I think we lost 4-0 to, to, to them at Hamden in, in the Scottish Cup semi-final 
Uh, Murty might have been Murty's last game in charge, and and that was when I just went, no, they've all got to go, including. And I think I just, yeah, that point was done with Tavernier. So was there was there any point where you sort of felt the same, or did you always see him sort of coming through? I think Tav's the one person that I've. Do you know what? I have this thing in me where I don't know if if it's a podcast thing, but I'm always sort of devil's advocate. So my opinion could be fully, I want Tav out. Then if other people say it, I'll be like. Look, look at what he's done for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'll always turn and do a 180 because of it. I, I always want to sort of go against the grain. But, yeah, there were, there's definitely been moments. And, um, you know, I'm not not best pleased to, to admit that, you know, this season I've not been too happy with a few of them, to be honest. And and I've vented that a few times. But Tavernier, I think this season is it, a bit harsh to, to criticise him because I think he has been carrying a little knock this year because he does look a little bit off it. Um, and, and Gio sort of said as much. Um, but yeah, I'm, like you, there's there's been a few times where I just thought this this isn't going to work. You know, he when he come when we got to that point, I thought right, he served us well, but now we've gone up a level and, and the level's too much for him, and he's just you know he proved me wrong. Like what a player, you know. Um, and and you're always happy, I think, if a range player proves you wrong because it means you're probably doing well. So yeah. I've never got too much issue if they do prove me wrong, but. Yeah, um, unbelievable, and, and I was definitely in that crowd that, that thought maybe he should go at one point, and I'm just so glad that he didn't, and so glad that he stayed around. Even even when those sort of like there was a bit of Villa interest, I think um, a few years back, uh, he was he was linked with a few teams in the Premiership, and I was thinking, oh, do you know what? If we could get eight million for him, I'd I'd take I'd absolutely snap my hand off for it. But no, I'm glad I'm glad he's he stayed, and I think he's he's a great example for any you know whether that's divine or whether that's going to be another future youngster. If we bring someone else in that's young that's going to apprentice behind him, um, I think he's going to be a great example for for the next player. No, no, and absolutely agree, mate. And uh, yeah, and don't worry, I've said that about a, a many of Rangers players that on the podcast. Now we we are a very judgmental support. We we, yeah. we, <laughs> we do write off players. I've said it many a times. I said like yourself with living down in England, I've got mates that support all London clubs, and and I write players, and they spend. Thirty, forty, fifty million on a player, but we spend two million, and I'm going no oh, shit after, <laughs> after after half hour away away in Paisley to St Mirren. So, yeah, that's just that's just how life goes at, at Rangers. But James Tavernier is a, a really really strong choice there, uh, right back. But let, let's move on to to your one of your centre halves. Maybe you're playing a back back five. It's a back four. It's a back. This is a, a standard back four. Yeah, yeah. Um, so centre half. This. Joe, you know what I'm looking at it now, and I still think. I've got this wrong. Like I still think, <laughs> I think like I've missed a player somewhere, and I don't know how. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with the one that I am sure about. And and again, this this might sort of um, put a cat amongst a few pigeons for people, but uh, I'm going to go Lorenzo Maruso as, as one of my centre backs. Um, just growing up was absolutely man mounting. You know, won every single header and. And you know, yeah, he's got that. He saw that looked Italian, didn't he? Had that long hair and and just an absolute beast on the pitch. But um, not just that. For me, he was a player that that was that sort of modern day centre back. He was a ball playing centre back. And um, at that time, it wasn't really a th- you know, it was all no nonsense at the back, wasn't it? It was just you know, you get you tackle and then you give it to the players that can play. But Amo wasn't like that. He he could play and he could come out of defence with the ball and. You know, he had a hell of a strike on him as well. And I still remember like, the first time he stepped up to a free kick and I was like, why is he taking this free kick? And, it is, and then, you know, he's, he's proved why. And, um, yeah, one of the best moments for me stuck out of him was 
as I just still met, I was watching on Sky at the time, and it's just always stayed with me. It's just that that game against Aberdeen um, up at Patoji, and he just lets that ball run across him and, and just absolutely digs it into the far corner, and it's such a good goal. Um, but yeah, absolutely, I, don't, I, know. <laughs> I always remember just um, so my auntie, my dad's sister, obviously. She's she's grown up with with my granddad obviously being massive Rangers so they grown up Rangers so they all they all the um all the siblings check out the games but it really rubbed off more on my dad than anyone else but um, I just remember going around and even now on her fridge she has a newspaper cutting of, of Amoruso I, I don't know if it's his wedding because he's got like a kilt on or something but she absolutely adored Amoruso <laughs> so I used to get to see him every time I went around it but um yeah he was he was a fantastic player and. and uh, he was the first one that came into my head before anyone else, so I knew he was going on the team. It's mad you point out the goal against Aberdeen because that's one that always sticks out for for me with, with Amoruso and uh, his, his weaker so called weaker foot as well. That was his is his left foot, and uh, I, I don't know. You remember this game as well, where the game actually got stopped for twenty twenty five minutes because supporters were getting at each other. Um, it was a yes. Saturday Saturday night game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Um... Yeah, because I remember, I think when I was, so, I'm trying to remember how old I was at that time. I was, you know, must have been mid teens ish. That would have been, yeah, no, that would have been 2000 and 2001. 2001. Yeah, so I must have been, yeah, I must have been 12, 13 at the time, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, it, it was bizarre to me. I've never really seen anything like that, to be honest. Like, as a kid, and, and you don't really get that sort of, um when, when you grow up in England you don't get you don't see that you, you yeah. do see it but not maybe at the ground you don't see it on TV like like yeah. it kicking off like that like it does with with Rangers and Aberdeen but, but mostly with with the other lot um so yeah that, that was quite a shock to the system when you see that and you're starting to see because we used to go up when I was younger and, and you'd see it live but you, you just think it's such like people playing out having a few drinks there. but when you see it on TV and that and it's like oh god this stuff's real this is actually really real but um yeah just what a player and, and absolutely adored him and and you know wish wish we had a, an ammo right now to be honest yeah that's that's the type we've got all these center arse but yeah i'll take amaruso over every single one of them now that is for sure but you're right though probably a little bit before his time in terms of ball playing center half he was he was good at that i don't think water smith really actually fancied him much because smith it was smith that signed him um yeah. but but i think he preferred the sort of debut weirs and you know more Scottish centre half, shall we say? Yeah, uh, battlers. But but Amaruso was was, was uh, could do that bit as well. Um, good choice. Good choice. No, I was just going to say, you know, another one that sort of went on on my long list of players, um, which is a guy that reminded me of him was Bulgaria. Um, you know, I thought they were they were very similar. You know, they had their flaws certainly, um, but but both just you know such modern day centre backs that they, they just bring the balls out and. You know, maybe Bulgaria couldn't. Well, you could argue he could strike a ball, but not not strike a ball like Ammo necessarily. But they they were both. You just I don't know. You as long as they were in the team, I think you always felt quite safe, and and you know that they're a goal threat at the other end. So that's that's what you want. You know, we've had so many players over the years that they're good defenders, but they don't give us anything up the other 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 side of the pitch, which is why Katic was was an option for us. And you know, he's, Katic is someone that by the way I don't, I don't think was good enough for Rangers and. And you'll always get that, you know, those players that when they're out of the team, they get better. Um, you know, how many people I see call for Balogun? Oh, we should never let Balogun go. Balogun's time was up for me. It was, you know, he was a great oh, yeah. servant, but his time was up. Um, and, and it was the same with Katic. But Katic offered you that 
that big head in in, in the final third and, and from corners and set pieces that we don't even have that we don't really have um from from you know Golson gets on the end of a lot I don't think he's got the most accurate of headers um you know and and the rest are just I mean <laughs> they're, they're, they're spending more time in the medical room don't they unfortunately for the rest of them but you know, but Amaruso, Bulgaria, these guys could could score goals whether it was their feet or head. So um, yeah, just I, I did like the modern day centre back, um, which is why why they went in, why why Amo went in. Sorry, Bulgaria missed out because I didn't want two modern day centre backs. Yeah. <laughs> that that leads us that leads us nicely onto the the other. Who, who's he? Who are you pairing him up with? Um, well, I wanted a, a sort of no nonsense defender, um, and. I came down to three, and I, I wanted to do an honourable mention. Just quickly, we did speak about it off, off sort of there. Um, Carlos Quella uh, was one who I just thought, for, for a pure season, was one of the most outstanding defenders I ever see. I think he got in that UEFA team of the season that year, or, or uh, the UEFA Cup version of it. Um, he was a disgusting defender. Like he, when we got, I do you know what my first, the first six months of Boomsong, I thought we'd rarely see a defender as good as that because Boomsong was ridiculous for that first six months, but. Quella was everything, you know. Um, but then I was like, no, I can't just have guys that have had a season. I just can't do that. Um, so that's when I upped it to, oh, you got to have a hundred professional games. So some might might be around the ninety something mark. I'm not sure, um, but you got to have around that for me. Um, so so Quella couldn't couldn't really be in the the argument for me on this one. So it was out of uh, Goff, Craig Moore, and David Weir. Um, grew up loving Richard Goff as a, as a young kid, but again. Didn't understand, and certainly not with defence, didn't understand too much about defending that age. You, you know, when you're young, you just care about attackers, right? Gorham stuck out to me because he would fly about all over the place. But apart from that, it was always about attackers when you're, when you're a kid. So didn't really notice the defence that much. Just knew Richard Goff was was amazing. Um, Craig Moore really admired, but again, probably just before the time I really, really started to understand the, the art of defending. Um, so because of that, uh, David Weir was was my choice for for this guy when we signed him. I thought it was a decent signing, you know. Even though, despite his age, um, what was he? 30... 37. Was he thirty seven? I thought he was actually thirty six. Oh my god! Um, yeah. I actually still thought it was a decent signing. I thought we'll get a season out of him. You know, he's Smith knows him. He knows what he's done at Everton. Um, you know, he'll come in and it, he'll be fine for the season. For him to go on into his forties, forty one, um, you know, really help forged the early sort of potential career that Danny Wilson was going to have. Um, he was absolutely superb and, and, you know, clear leader on and off the pitch. Everyone looked up to him and um, just never shirked away. You know, he, he looked, obviously he had a lot to say on the pitch, to, but he had the right things to say, I think, to people. And um, I, I may be wrong, but he never struck me as the type of guy that was going to go and get involved in games, you know, when it all kicked off. But then he would, if it, you know, if it was the right moment, he would, go in and he would protect our players and, and he would give the others what for. So, um, yeah, I just thought he was a tremendous leader and, and you know, a, a bit of an underrated footballer. Um, I know, you know, if what comes to, to my mind a lot is that meme picture of what you're actually doing, David. You know, he's, he's sort of running backwards and the ball's like somewhere different, um, which is a cracking picture. But, yeah, overall, was, as the contribution that he gave us to get back in the Scotland squad, you know, just a, a tremendous player, and, and you don't you don't see too many centre backs at the top level go to that age. There's, there's very few, and you're probably looking at the likes of Costa Curta and Maldini, and that. Not saying he's as good as those, but that's the sort of you know you got to have that sort of level, be that sort of player to to be playing at that that age at that level. 
It's just Marvel weird, though. As you said, we, we got him, and I I certainly thought at the time it would be a stopgap. That would be someone mm. that comes in till, you know, till the summer and then um, would be third, maybe fourth choice for a season, and that would be it. But we was like the first name on the team sheet for the, for, I'd say for the, well, yeah, for the whole time Smith was there. Um, and he played pretty much every game and mm. Thursday nights as well. And it's just like, yep. At his age, it's just it's just phenomenal, and uh, yeah, what you know, pound for pound, we we, we speak about James Tavernier probably being one of the, the best signings we've ever made, but but David Weir has got to be, you know, to get him on a on a free transfer as well, it's just you know, for what he gave us was, was incredible. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it, exactly what you say. Like um, free transfer, and, and just you know, if if he was ten years younger, you know, you, you you're slapping ten million on him even at that time. Um, but yeah, he was. He reminded me a bit of um, Holander when when Holander's fully fit, which you know we know is rare. But when he's fully fit, he doesn't need pace. You know, he does. He, he's not slow. He's you know Holander and Weir. They both weren't like they weren't pensioners in terms of pace. They they could right. both they both are capable of running like Weir then and, and Holander. Now. I know Holander's a lot younger um, being with us, but people always sort of say oh they're too slow or, you know Weir was too slow or Holanda's too slow but they actually are deceptively quicker than than they look um but they don't need it because they both read the game and read the game so well um that they're just always in the right position you rarely see Holanda getting beat for pace you rarely saw Weir getting beat for pace because they just always were in the right position they could read the danger and um they could always mop up and 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 if they did go out and beat a ball they, it was because they'd instructed the other person to be behind them to sweep up so um, yeah, just that—that's what I always liked about Holanda, and it's—it's it's a shame with his injury problems because um, you know I think he could have been a top top defender for years for us as well. But um, yeah, we we reminds me of him a little bit as well. I agree with you with Holanda. I think if he's fit and firing, I think he's our best centre half. I think that's that's absolutely, and and I do see the comparisons with we. I think they both read the game uh, tremendously well, and yeah, you don't need top pace when you could you're a second quicker um with, with the head so mm. yeah really, really good point really good point that um let's go back onto the the, the final bit of the, the back forward and uh left back left back i had four for the left back that i was that i was trying to juggle around um so i'll put the first one out there that we just sort of i'll put it away great it was lee wallace was the first one that i put on the list um as the sort of long list um thought you know what wallace gave the club was was amazing and that real uncertain time that you know I know a lot of us don't like looking back on but for him to I, I still remember um I can't remember exactly where I was but I remember having my I think I, I do remember it's one of my old jobs and I was waiting for the lift and the Sky Sports News thing popped up on my phone and it was Lee Wallace had committed himself to, to the next five years or whatever it was he signed that contract despite us going to division three um and i was like that's crazy because i wanted to sign him so bad at this when we signed him i was he was one of those guys i really really wanted i thought you know we need these scottish guys in the team that, that are capable of reaching those higher levels really wanted lee wallace so i was glad we got him um and then couldn't believe he signed a new deal and i thought he'd be our captain you know i thought it'd be about now would be the time that we'd be be saying farewell to him not not earlier than we did um modern day fullback could go forward you know he had his deficiencies but he, he was a very good defender. Um, just think, you know, we, we never really got to see the best of him at the top level. And for that reason, I, I just couldn't have him as, as my actual starting left back. Um, Davey Robertson was another one who, even now, like every now and then, I sort of um, 
taking it for a into into champ manager too like just fire it up for old time's sake and you know david robertson's the first name on the team sheet because he was that modern day fullback who loved getting forward um and i thought he got it more than anyone as well and you see his documentaries with that Raul kashmir and and stuff like that you see the bloke he is and he's just no nonsense and, and he tells it like it is so i always love david robertson again going back to my previous point probably just too young to appreciate how good he really was um, and then Papic was the final sort of honourable mention in that field. Um, but I couldn't put a centre-back in there because that's what he was. He was a centre-back that got pushed out to left-back and he was a solid 6-7 every single week. But that was it. There was there was nothing absolutely outstanding about Papic apart from his consistency, which, you know, I did love him, but um, he was never going to give you that sort of bombing on down the, down the left side. So for me, it was only one man and that was uh, Arthur Newman. Absolutely adored Arthur Newman, and when we, I still remember being a kid when when Dick Advocate, uh, Dick Advocate come in, and we spent all that money in the summer, and the Daily Record done this massive two-page printout, and it had all of the players that we'd signed that summer, and their transfer fees, and their history of where they'd come from. It was like a little Wikipedia page before we had Wikipedia, and um, yeah, it was Newman was just yeah, he come in with that sort of um, that pedigree you know you, you knew he'd come from really good things and, and you knew you were going to get a really good player out of him and, and that's what he was he was absolutely quality um you know could whip a great ball in just didn't stop had such an engine on him but was rarely for, for someone who could attack as well as him he was a, such a good defender i thought and you don't you know modern day fullbacks they tend to you know there's a lot of them are good defenders but they they do lack a bit of defensive nails because of how much they attack and, and Newman didn't. I thought Newman was a complete package. So um yeah, Arthur Newman left back for me. Yeah, Newman was 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 my favourite for sure. I think um yeah just to get the Dutch uh starting left back as I say I think I've said this on a previous pod but he he played in the World Cup just before he joined and just remember thinking what a what a player he is and you mentioned there David Robertson. We've had Davy on the on the podcast. Um he done his 10 questions and he is uh top top uh bloke so apologies david if you're watching this that you that you didn't make uh no he's uh he, he's top and and, and he said that the, the the documentaries that he done there were, were really really good and he's, yeah, he's doing really well out there um yeah. but now going, going back to, to to newman um i think that i think that is the easiest position for me out of the the, the 11 i think that for, I don't know. I just thought he was just he was just top top draw. Yeah, he was. Um, and I just say like th this is this sort of you know, Advocat was quite pragmatic. He was a, a sort of more defensively minded Dutch coach, but in terms of his signings, he wasn't. He did go out and get you know these Dutch players that, that looked like they were going to excite and, and and entertain. And that's what I thought we were going to get with Gio. I thought he was going to tap this Dutch market, and it was going to be like the second coming of Advocat and. You know this wave of orange coming over but and we just haven't got to see it unfortunately but um all the dutch players that come in and and i was such a huge fan of, of ronald de Boer, but newman was was my all-time favorite yeah and you, you say about geo there with dutch players it's this very very disappointing we've not seen any an influx in but hopefully you know we still here next season we see that that next season uh let's let's move on to to midfield then Stu. let's start with with one of your midfield positions yeah, this was hard because originally I did a, a sort of old school sort of four four two formation. I've changed it just to try and fit these midfielders in. Um, and I guess they could have played in a flat four. Um, so we'll just see how it goes. 
but the first one was uh, the Hammer, George Alberts. Um, you know, growing up, he was one of the ones that, that caught my eye so quickly. Um, you know, another one that was, you know, for me, the most famous pictures of him was was that old sort of, you know, the, the, the stripy Adidas kit down here. And um, I generally thought you could not strike a ball harder than George Alberts could hit this ball. Like, I, I don't, I've not, I've seen a lot of people hit a ball. I still don't think I've ever seen anyone hit it as hard as he could hit it. Um, you know, and it was the reason why his penalties were always so good because he'd have that huge run up and he's beat the keeper before he's even hit the ball. And, and half the time he would just place it, wouldn't he? Wouldn't, wouldn't even put power in it. Um, but yeah, his free kicks were absolutely outrageous. Um, just the, the, from so far out, he could hit it with such pace. He still hasn't got time to react despite, despite the distance between the, the free kick and the goal. Um, and just generally thought he was a really good player. And he was someone I was really gutted to lose um I saw, he sort of fell out of favor and I still think he had something left at that point um so I was a bit disappointed we did lose him but um yeah just absolutely loved him growing up and and always felt safe if uh, Alberts was in the team I never I never forgave uh Dick Avocat for letting him for letting him leave uh he was he was my probably I won't say the other one in case you've, you've got him in your team but he's up there in terms of favorite uh, Rangers players, but yeah, just I was the same as a kid. As a kid, you're just in awe of, of someone that scores. He just scores so many important goals as well. Yeah. I think he wasn't wasn't obviously wasn't a striker. Was more of a you know centre midfield. Played out to the left a little bit as well, and just the goals he scored. You just but as you said that left foot. I think I think I said as well on a previous one, but that that the free kick he he scored against Celtic, um, yeah, which just goes in like an absolute bullet. Um, but there's been there's been a number of goals. Would you say there was like a a, a goal that you that, that when you think of Albert springs to the mind sort of straight away? To be honest, it's probably that that old firm goal. Um, just it just. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I can't describe how, like, it just looks like it's, it's still going, doesn't it? By the time it hits the net, it's still going. Like, that ball <laughs> never come down, I don't think. It was, it was disgusting and... Um, you, you see him, um, he sort of popped up, I think it was after he retired, he sort of come back out to, to help out with, with Clyde, didn't he? And, and he even scored a screamer of a free kick for them as well. He's um, just a, a wonder of a left foot. That, and sorry, I mean, we say this like the, the term the wonder of a left foot, but his was just pure power, wasn't it? it was. Yeah. He, he didn't really do these sort of bendy shots or anything like that. It was just pure power. The ball was flat and it just it just went like a rocket. But yeah, that, that free kick against us, it was... The absolute stand-up moment for me, and um, 
I'm trying to remember the one, and I've got this complete piece. It's probably because my mind's gone blank. It always does. As soon as you, like, you go live, and it's, it's gone. Um, <laughs> but I still remember it was an old firm game. I think it was at Celtic Park. And I can't remember if he took the corner or if he scored. It was definitely from a He might have even been ahead or something. It was, it was from a corner. And I remember my dad had just gone in to grab a beer. It's literally not long kicked off, a couple of minutes in. And um, he was definitely involved in the goal. I can't believe my mind's gone completely blank on it. But um, it was a really early goal at their place. And, and I was just jumping around the house. And he's like running in, trying to open his beer. And like, <laughs> yeah, just, what a player game. So many great memories. He did score a lot of goals against them, to be fair. So uh, there is a, there's a fair few. I mean, even the two he scored. Um, one week after the other one in the league, then one in the cup where he runs from the halfway line, basically yeah. does exactly the same thing. Um, he, yeah, he was he was he was a top top player, and you know, especially as I said we've seen players like that very very young. You just hope you keep seeing them, and um, we did for a little while, but they're sort of they're, them them sort of players that won't be at Abrox anytime soon. But yeah. let, let's move on to uh, the next position then, Shu, uh, one of your other uh, midfielders. Yeah, so this. I'm going to just, just because he's in the in the list that I've done, this is the position I've got him in. I, I would have saved him to last in this, but I'm just going to do him now. Um, and it, it's a bit, I think he strikes a bit of controversial controversy in, um, or controversy in, in a lot of the Rangers fan base. Um, I see on Twitter, people still argue, you know, whether he's, a, you know, people don't tend to like him that much anymore. Um, but for me, he would be the captain all day long. And he was my probably all-time favourite, one of two all-time favourite players, um, and that's Barry Ferguson. Um, I generally thought Barry Ferguson could have, you could have picked him up and put him in any top midfield in any division in the, in, in the world, and he would slot in. Um, he was um, a very, not underrated by Rangers fans, but I think he was very underrated um, by the sort of rest of the watching world. Uh, he could take a ball in any situation. And what I used to love about him, he'd always want the ball, no matter where he, he could have three players on him, he'd want the ball. And when he got the ball, he just looked like he had all the time in the world. And I, I still don't know how he did that. Like, you know, we know how crazy our game is, how frantic it is. It's played at 100 miles an hour. Um, and he'd get the ball and he could have two, three players pressing him. And he gets a couple of touches out and then he would knock it off and, and it would go again. And he's one of these few players where I get really frustrated players like Barisic, who turn back for the sake of turning back. Um, a lot of our players tend to do that. They just turn back for no reason. Not not because there's no forward pass on, just because they think, well, uh, sorry, yeah, they just want to turn back even when there is that forward pass on. Um, whereas Ferguson could sort of, even if he went backwards, it was with the mind, you know, we're, we're going to take one step back here to get two, two steps further forward up the pitch. Um, and, you know, again, another player that would score important goals for us. Um, I think after that really sort of, about, I think it was 2002, 2003 season, he scored those sort of 16 league goals, um, which was obviously by far and away his best goal scoring season. But, you know, popped up with so many important goals. That free kick against Celtic in the, in the semi-final was, um, was this it? No, the, the final, sorry. The, the free kick in the final, yeah, was was um, just one of the, the craziest moments for me. Like, I remember, obviously, the, the, the winner was even better, of course, but the free kick was amazing um and you know scotland as well you know the the little equalizer against italy and he was just i think his scotland career ended way too early obviously we know what happened to him and mcgregor but he should have been he should have been 100 caps for scotland because oh, yeah. he was he was that good um and even when he went down to teams like birmingham i think there was a graphic at the time when he was at birmingham and it was like he was like fourth on like 
the world passing list that year for like most passes and the top two were Xavi and Iniesta and it was you know he's in the top league and he, he's not at a good club and he's producing this many passes he was um yeah just a top top player and, and for me he was world class I, I don't care what anyone says no I agree with every single single word with that I say I used to get really frustrated because um that that season he had 2002-2003 where he scored 16 league goals and and he had he was he was unbelievable that season with him and Ronald De Boer. But um, I remember sort of very young, but but him linked to a lot of English clubs that that summer, and um, he was linked with them all. And um, mm. and uh, really young, but I remember a couple of my mates saying, "Oh, you know, you still get it now, you Stuart, I'm sure you still get it. Oh, can he do yeah. it in, in the Premier League?" And and I was like, he could play for anyone. He could play for Man United. He could. He was he was that good at yeah. that age. Um, and he chose Blackburn. Um, I'd soon as I know and um, you know people say well he went there sort of Blackburn at the time we're just that club trying to get into the sort of top yeah. six top five but you know in the end it worked out for us because he come back but he could have done better than Blackburn couldn't he yeah and, and I don't know if you've like sort of read his book and that but you know he's he sort of notes that as a big regret of his um, leaving but I think he just thought that he had to he had to do it eventually he had to go south it was you know everyone was expecting him to do it and I think he thought that he had to um, and yeah, probably picked the wrong club to be honest. But I think a lot of the uh, Premiership do look in the um, do look at Scotland with a, you know, they're not too sure on it, and 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 it's not fair sometimes that they do look at a game like that because look, there are some poor parts of it, but there are some very good parts of it, and and you can tell a good player being a good player when when you're standing out on the on the stage um, internationally and in Europe, you know captain at 21 under Dick Advocate, despite the array of international talent we had, um, just showed what a talent he was. Um, and yeah, so certainly picked the wrong club, I think, with Blackburn. But um, yeah, just I was, he was one of the ones that when he went, I was absolutely going. I, I, I didn't think I'd ever get over it, but I was like, we'll never replace Barry Ferguson. So when we got him back, I was just like, and, it, and you know, I'm always one of those guys that's like the manager's in charge, the manager's in the final. With Barry, like it didn't matter. Like when when the Gwen, when the Gwen turned on him and stripped him, I was like, nah, the Gwen's got to go, you know. Like Barry Ferguson's right here, and maybe later on in his in his career, we've seen maybe it wasn't he what he did have a bit too much player power, but you know you, you just couldn't argue with the talent that that he had, and and um, I would absolutely kill for another Barry Ferguson to be honest. Absolutely, I think that's once in a, a generation, Ferguson. I still don't think there's been a a better player than, than Barry Ferguson um, in Scotland, Scottish. I've, I've not seen it. And you, you made a really good point starting off with, when you said about Ferguson, about the, the a lot of supporters sort of, you know, go the narrative sort of off of him as a pundit and, and, he's, and he's, his articles. And, and they sort, I think people can forget just how important he was for yeah. us in, in, in both spells. And, um, yeah, I, I would kill as well for, for, another, for another Barry Ferguson. I'm just, unfortunately, don't think we're... We're going to see it, but no, solid pick and and and, and your skipper. So uh, who's who's next? In are you going three in midfield? Is it a three in midfield? I think so. That's how I've written it. I've written it as three in midfield. Um, and and just a you know a quick you know not going to do too much on him, but just a quick on the on sort of who missed out there. Durant, you know, back to some other points, amazing player, but probably too young. Ronald De Boer didn't make the final eleven, despite me being one of his biggest fans. Honestly, I adored Ronald De Boer. Um, I thought he was, I thought he was a, a world class player that we managed to pip. And obviously, we only got him because of his knees. I know he had sort of manual on the table at the time, and he didn't think his knees would handle it. But it didn't matter because he was that good. 
Um, and it, it was sort of out of him and, and this this next player in my, in my midfield, to be honest. Um, Kevin Thompson as well. I loved, loved Kevin Thompson. Um, thought him and Barry would have, you know, they were a great partnership. But I thought if we could have just had Barry there for longer and Thompson there for longer, we would have, you know, injuries robbed Thompson um, because he, he he could do it all as well. And, and we saw him as this hard-hitting tackler, which he was, but he could play football and, and he could score goals. And he complimented Barry Ferguson sort of being left-footed and, and that. Um, Stephen Davis, what a player he's been over the years. Even now, he's, he's still like the... Um, the conductor in midfield as he comes on and he just everything can go through him and he can absolutely control the game despite his age. Um, and then the sort of the last mention of midfielders was <clears throat> one of my favourites growing up was Neil McCann. But I decided to go with no wingers um, and that's why he missed out. But he was, I could talk all day on McCann, just that electric pace, but an end product, which you do not get on fast wingers. He, he had such a dangerous delivery. We saw it with the, the, the goal in the final for Lovenkrenz, but that was just one of many. He, he could deliver balls all day long, and he was so quick. He could just get away with players, get away from players, but they just weren't there. Um, but my final centre midfielder, and this is going to contradict everything I'm saying about the earlier the earlier players can't be in the team, but um, it's Paul Gascoigne. Even being young, he was magic. He was a superstar. Um, it didn't matter that you, you didn't know too much about football. You knew who Paul Gascoigne was, and for range, I, I still remember like. My, my friend's parents at the time just being Rangers of signed Paul Gascoigne. Like, they just couldn't believe it. Um, and my dad was like, this is ridiculous. Like, how have we got Paul Gascoigne? This is Gaza. He's he's going to he's gonna do great things. And he did do great things. And, um, you know, he was, uh, uh, you know, he's a bit of a damaged soul and, uh, and he come with baggage, but it was worth it. And, and you know, I think he found a real home at Rangers and, and I think he really, really enjoyed his time at, uh, Ibrox and, and you see people tell stories about him and he, he's always sort of spoke so well about Rangers and Koisty and, and things like that um, but what he did on the pitch you just could not argue with um, you know he, he was another one he looked like a big guy also but he was so quick to sit like deceptively quick on the ball like when he had the ball he just took off and he, you couldn't get near him um, you, you just remember him like sort of slaloming in and out of players like through the centre of the pitch and no one can touch him um, brain was two steps ahead of absolutely everyone whether that was scoring goals or assisting goals he could just he could do absolutely everything and um, yeah he just he obviously loved the wind up he didn't understand the culture too much and it got him in trouble a little bit but or maybe he did understand the culture and he did it anyway we just don't know again um, yeah but he was he was just uh, fantastic and um, I think what I loved about him is, is in in my opinion, he was the first player that I knew of that was sort of the real, real big name signing. Um, I was probably a bit too young for the sort of English influx under Sunas. So um, Gaza for me was the first sort of, wow, what a signing. And at the time was like five million or something. Yeah. And and that was a huge sum of money. Then I, I couldn't believe we were spending that much money. Obviously worth it because it was Gaza, but um, which we, I mean, we made a decent sum back on him when he went to Middlesbrough. Um, as well, which you know, people forget. You know, that's another part of a player when they, what they bring back into the club when they leave, and and we got a little bit back for him, which was you know, he, he served a great purpose for us. And again, another player who scored so many important goals. You know, we we maybe don't have that so much these days, but our team used to be full of them. You know, Ferguson, Albert, Gaza, these guys that score goals at crucial moments in the crucial games, and they did it consistently. So um, yeah, despite despite me saying. 
I was probably a little bit too young, but he was these attacking guys that stuck out in your head when you're that <laughs> young. So I think he just about uh, passes the uh, the credential for that one. So yeah, Paul Gascoigne. Yeah, he's an absolute superstar, and yeah, a little bit too young for myself in terms of um, Gazab. And I can't say I remember sort of us signing him or um, you know sort of watching him at, at the time. But yeah, you watch clips, and as you said, just just deceivingly quick but just so good just mm. you know I think I think what you've got there in, in, in your midfield what you've picked is 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 big game players and uh you know he he was definitely I think one that that will always stand out with the supporters in terms of you know big name but comes with a big reputation but lived up to it um, yeah. which is important which at the moment we're seeing um you know big names big big reputations at, at Ibrox towards the end of the season but uh towards sorry end of their career but it's not you know, we're not getting their sort of outlay, um, but Gaza, we, we can't say that. So uh, I think you've just sort of uh, won the uh, won the won the, anyone that, that that's on that age. Just you know, uh, <laughs> sort of can't put Gaza in. I think you've just uh, topped it by by putting in. So that's a a really really good uh, pick. Um, let's move on to one of your uh, front three then, Stu. Yeah, well, front three slash maybe just off of the front two. Um, he was a winger. I'm going to be honest, he was a winger, but I couldn't not have this guy in because, um, yeah, growing up, again, he was around the same era, the, the sort of Gaza era, um, and, and stayed on a little bit longer, but i just never seen a player like him. Um, and when we talk about, we've had these sort of, we've had a few world-class players, and this was probably, for me, the pick of the bunch, which was Brian Laudrup. Um, just for a guy that was not small you know this was this was a six foot plus guy um that had rapid pace but was always in control um went past people for fun i, I generally think he could have just run around that I, I remember sort of playing fives and one of our friends sort of was was a uh, professional he, he went into the at the time he was with a league two club um, but we were only like 18, but he'd come back down to play fires for us and he would literally just hold the ball and he would just run left to right and players couldn't get the ball off him. This is what Loudrick, I generally think Loudrick could have just run left to right over the pitch. No one would have got the ball off him. Um, dangerous delivery, could score goals, but he didn't, what I loved about him, he didn't care that if he scored the goal or not. You know, he he would take, he's, he was a bit like, you know, not necessarily the exact same play style, but I, I thought from clips, he's a bit like Davy Cooper that, you know, he could take the whole team on and, and just roll it across goal and then he'll go off celebrating because he knows he's done his bit and, and then the next guy can just take the glory. Um, he was a ridiculous player and, um, yeah, another world-class guy that we had in the team and, and was so um, pivotal in the in the Danish team for the Euros. Um, I think at that time he was sort of getting named on the, the best player of the year lists and, and st- all in the nominations for it and stuff like that. So um, just a top, top player and... That is someone that genuinely, if you had a Loudrup today, you're talking, you know, maybe not coming out of Rangers price wise, but if he was any, if he was playing in one of the top leagues, you're, you're talking a hundred million pound player for me. Um, he was that, that good. And, and you know, a lot of the um, big clubs, and I think this is why we've got so much in Bassi, they look for those physical attributes in a player. You can't buy physique, like, um, sorry, you can't teach physique. Um, and Bassi, Rebo, players like these, they have that natural build. And Laudrup had it. He was just this tall guy that was really quick. Um, and tall guys aren't that good with their feet, but he was unbelievable. His feet was good in the air. Just had at, he could have. He's one of the players to me that you could have put him anywhere on pitch. You could have literally played him in any position on the pitch, and he would have probably given you a, an eight out of ten in that position. So, 
Um, just couldn't have anyone else in, in the team bar Brian Laudrup for that. What What was the feeling, Stu, when when it, when he left um, uh, Rangers? He, he went to Chelsea. I think there was a you know a, a little big disappointment when when he didn't leave. I mean, anyone that good um, leaving would be a big disappointment. Um, you're obviously old enough to sort of remember that. What was the feelings sort of when he when he left? Yeah, well, I mean, I was still quite young, um, but I do remember because I remember being heartbroken at that time. Like when you're that age, any any good player going, you're yeah, absolutely torn apart. Um, I can't remember too much around the reason, other than you know, and I may be completely wrong, but I thought he wanted to stay. I thought that was the the big thing with Lauder because he wanted to stay, and you know, you've seen you've seen them. Um, sort of clips of saying like Walter Smith sat him down before and yeah. said you know Barcelona I mean, he's like nah I'll stay here stuff like yeah. this and, and Walter Smith's like you're, you're mental like what are you doing he's <laughs> just Barcelona he's like nah I'll stay at Rangers um, so I, I think he would have stayed personally so yeah I was absolutely gutted when he went to Chelsea I was excited at the time because you know I had friends that supported Chelsea so I was excited to see how he'd get on and um, maybe didn't quite hit the heights for them but yeah he was it, I feel like we've had a few of those players that have been such big players and, and at any point could have gone for huge money and gone to big clubs and then the, the careers sort of fizzle out and it's yeah. not really through their own fault, but it's just maybe the move come too late. Certain times they come too early. Um, you know, I, I think another one we're going to get like that and, and I hope this is one I'm proving wrong, but I think Ryan Kent's probably going to go the same way where, you know, this is a guy of all the talent in the world that will probably end up either low premiership if he's lucky, but probably in a couple of years, he's going to be knocking about the championship in England. And it's, it's a travesty really, because you know, these guys got so much talent and, and they should be on the big, big stage, but yeah, it was gutted to lose lounge by that time. And, and um, yeah, one of, one of many heartbreaks I experienced as a, as a Rangers fan. I'm absolutely gutted. I never see Laudrup, um properly uh, because you say watch videos and, you actually watch this Rangers team now, and and, and it is crying out for a, a Brian Laudrup, isn't it? So, uh, mm. yeah, it's it's. I think I think actually of all, all the players we've had about Ferguson, Alberts, Newman, Gaza, you'd love. Don't get me wrong, you'd love any of them, but I think this Rangers team, a right side of midfielder, where we can go and put someone like Brian Laudrup out there, that would that would be a game changer. But good choice, um, good choice, and and now we're looking at our uh, strikers. We are, we are. So I'm going to save that one. I mean. I don't know if my last one's going to be controversial or not. I think there'll be people that have them and people that won't. Um, so I'll save him. So I'll go with the obvious, I think, and he should be really in every single person's team, which is super. Um, you know, Ali McCoy is the epitome of, of what a number nine is. He's just that goal-scoring striker, you know, deadly in the penalty box. Uh, you know, he can score from distance as well, but he never needed to, did he? And, and no matter where you put that ball, he's getting it on target and he, he's... He was just, he formed such a good partnership over the year with, with many strokers. But, um, and, and again, one I was probably still too young for, but, you know, I used to always get, my dad used to have every single like, VHS of, of the season review and stuff like that. And I used to have like the, the six in a row, seven in a row, eight in a row. And as a kid, I used to watch these in bed every single night. I would watch these videos in bed. Um, and I still remember the crap graphics that used to come up on the screen when they're doing the tables. And because I, I, I still, the, the, the one I remember most of it was, um, they do a little bit about when we got knocked out to AK Athens and they've got this horrible music and it's all dark and they're interviewing like Walter Smith and players like this. And um, in the background, like you just, they're probably showing the same goal reflected in different angles of it, but it looks like we got beat at like eight nil by AK <laughs> Athens. But that's what they were trying to like get across was that 
we were just weren't prepared to go there and, and, and take on this team that we, we weren't thinking was going to be that good. And it was an absolute sort of cesspit when you went in there and, and you know, horrible ground to play in the flares and stuff like that. But um, yeah, McCoy was always on every single of these VHS that you watch and, and you know, whether he's breaking his leg and coming back, it didn't matter. He just come back as good as he ever was and he would still score goals. And even into his mid thirties, he was absolutely like deadly in front of goal. And how many guys, you know, there's, there's not many guys ever that have won the golden boot back to back. This guy's done it at Rangers. So, you know, what was it? Like 44 goals, I think those times, something like that, wasn't it? And then, um, just, yeah, another world. Class. He, he was, for me, he was the sort of, you know, I don't like comparing players like directly, but he was the Scottish Alan Shearer. Where they had Shearer, we had McCoist. And, um, you know, I wouldn't have stopped him personally because I was <laughs> an absolute awe of Ali McCoist. He was the first. Barry Ferguson's probably my all-time favourite, but growing up, you know, Coisty was the first one that I, I just absolutely fell in love with as a kid. And um, and and I was very, very fortunate enough to, to actually meet him um in i think it's like 2013 and, and this is this is funny as well because we we drove up to to see rangers play annan at ibrox in the in division three and uh my, my stepmom had bought me and my dad um sort of tickets to go up but it was the full works you know the suite and it was like uh champagne entrance the five course dinner all this right so you go in you you you're in the lounge and that, and then they're like, um, "Oh, you can sort of go and take your seats now." And we're in the lounge, and um, we we weren't listening, like we were having a drink. We weren't listening. I looked up, and there's sort of two sets of doors, and I was like, "What? Well, what are we supposed to go through?" So we walked up to the, the sort of back set, and, and there's a sort of security guard on it. And I was like, "Is it these doors we go out?" And he's like, "No, no, no. You can, it's just them ones there." Because actually, because you can go out of these. He's like, "It's literally a hallway that runs parallel, and you can just meet up." He goes, "And on the way, you can see the trophy room if you want, just on our own." Like I've never experienced. I've been in the trophy room. I've never done it on my own. And he's like, and all the caps are along the wall and stuff. I was like, oh, we'll go this way then, just on our own. So we go out and we're, we're looking at these caps and they've got the little write-ups about the player and that. So I think I can't remember what I was looking at, but my dad was like, it's Koisties, it's Koisties. So we go over and I'm reading Koisties and then just a voice behind me just goes, that's wrong, by the way. And I'm thinking it's like some smart ass behind yeah. me going, oh, let me tell you what, uh, uh, I've turned around, it's Ali McCoist. And um, honestly, I needed, like, I, I didn't think I'd ever get starstruck. I was like falling apart. I was like, oh my God. And he's like, he's trying to tell me what's wrong on this little blurb. And my dad's like, Chris, just go, get a picture, Goisty, get a picture. And all this. And um, yeah, so I still got that picture. So that was an amazing moment for me. Like, um, absolute hero. For me, he was, he was Mr. Hollywood. He was absolutely everything and, and um, backed everything up in goals. And, and even now, you see how well loved he is. Like, on British television, British, you know, everyone remembers Question of Sport. Every sort of mum loved him from Question of Sport, and, <laughs> and every every dad loved him for what he did on the pitch. So, um, yeah, you, you, I don't think there's any you can ever have a Rangers team without Ali McCoyston. No, brilliant, brilliant story as well, Shu, to to get to meet him. That'd have been, I'd have absolutely loved that. Um, yeah, no, I still I still listen to Talksport. Um, I don't really like Talksport, but I just feel like <laughs> listening to to McCoyst. Do you know what I mean? I like listening to McCoyst in the morning. He's so. Uh, He's just so likable, and I think even the most bitter, bitter, bitter Celtic supporters would, mm. would sort of ad- admit that as well. Do you know what I mean? That kind of sums him up, really, considering the amount of goals he, he scored against them as well. Um, but yeah, no, McQuist, I, I, I'm, I get, I bet we're going to get McQuist sort of every single team apart from the, the ones so. that sort of so. not yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, top top goal scorer ever, isn't he? So. Um, yeah, so uh, let's go. Let's go on to the who he's going to partner be his partner. Yeah, so there were there were plenty, and and 
I had it came down to three for me. There, there was, you know, when I wrote the long list, there was Rod Wallace, there was Love and Grands, and I, I, I absolutely loved Love and Grands. Actually, my dad got me into Love and Grands because I didn't used to like. I used to think he was awful, just fast, and my dad used to think the same. So I just automatically used to hate him. And then one day, my dad was like, "He's not bad, actually, Love and Grands. He's, he, you know, he's been improving, you know, and he always scores against them, and he always seemed to score against them. And after that, he just got better and better. So I absolutely loved Love and Grands." Hately, I was a bit too early for. You've obviously got Chris Boyd that you've got to talk about. Um, you know, he, he, he was sort of, you know, maybe a not as talented version of, of Ali McCoist, but, you know, for, for a guy that's sticking the ball in the back of net, you couldn't ask him for. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I wanted to try and, and at least in the long list, have guys to, to talk about from the current team. And you only really have Morelos, but, you know, I think... I love Morelos, and, and I think talent-wise, he's a, he's a great player, but I don't think he's ever really going to be in these conversations, um, whether that's an attitude issue or, or you know, um, I think it's just been too much with him. Um, but I think he's still got a lot to offer, but just not for these conversations. Um, so for me, it's probably maybe a three that people didn't really expect it to come down to, but it come down to uh, Perso, Arvaladze and Moles. Arvaladze, I, I just, when I was a kid, I... I just read every football book there it was and especially Dutch football loved it so when we saw I couldn't believe we signed him like we got this guy um um I think it was it direct from Ajax we, we got other lads yeah. yeah and you know he, he has a great goal scoring record and I was just like how have we pulled this one off then he's going to be somewhere and he was and he, he was you know such a quality striker um great goal return for us per se he just couldn't not love per se um you know, just that big Croatian guy that just, he would run through a brick wall, wouldn't he? And I still remember, like, when we signed him and we were on a bit of a shoestring budget at the time and it was sort of little and large up top, wasn't it? Perso and Nardo. And I, yeah. I still remember the the preseason friendly against uh, Fulham. And it's like the overhead kick. And I was thinking, who's this guy then? And then, like, um, yeah, he was he was such, such a good player. But it was Michael Moles for me and my team. Um Thought Moles was probably robbed of a very, very uh, long career with Rangers by Oliver Kahn. In a game that I also believe we would have won had Kahn not absolutely wiped him out. Um, it should have been a red card. And, and then, was it red? I can't even remember back now, but I just remember he, he didn't get sent off. No, so I just remember him absolutely, you know, taking him in uh, part and, and going right through him and, at the time, he didn't know how bad it was, but then you found out. And he never, you know, he actually went on to have still a long career. He, you know, he went back and um, played for Ado Den Haag and Feyenoord and, you know, finished sort of 37, 38, and he did really well. But what he had when he first come to us, you know, I, I thought this guy was probably world class. And, and we had, a, at the time, um, I still remember the chat was about, I don't know if you remember this, might be too young, but we were, there was a lot of talk we were going to get uh, Raul Timudo from Espanyol. And he was another striker that scored so many goals. Another striker I really wanted. That we got Michael Moles in, and um, yeah, just he, he just left an impression on you because he was a striker that could score goals, but he could do everything else. And you know, his feet were unbelievable. And yeah, I don't know, and I might be misremembering this just because of you know when you're in awe, you, you sort of misremember so much. And you know, he's taking on eleven players at a time. But I swear, like every time he got the ball, about four players would surround him. And then he would just pop out the other side with the ball still. And they were all sort of like looking around like, oh, what's happened there? Um, he just knew where everything was at all times. And I still remember old interviews of him when he was like, you know, we should be beating most teams in this league 4-0. And, you know, when he was at the top of his game, we were beating most teams sort of 4-0, 4-1 every now and then. Um, 
just a great foil. He, he could play with anyone up top. You know, if he, if you put a goal scorer up top of him, he could become the guy that could assist. If you wanted him to be a goal scorer, he could be that as well. Um, he had absolutely everything. And, you know, we, we got him a bit later on in his career. You know, I think he was sort of late 20s at that point. But um, I was glad we didn't get him earlier because, again, without that injury, getting him earlier, he would have been a very, very special player. And he still was a very special player. Um, but I think he would have gone on to got a lot more caps for, for the Netherlands and, and he would have done very, very special things for us. So, um, yeah, again, another another guy I met when he come down for the sort of Lee Rigby Memorial. And, and even now you just see how good he is when he gets the ball. Like it's and and a lot of these old guys, you know, they don't they don't lose the touch or anything, but um, they, they sort of they do lose the yard and they do expect things not to come off. But you see a moles when it doesn't come off, you see how angry he gets because he's still expecting himself to be that good. And he, he, he had the highest standards and he was such a good player for me. And yeah, another player I absolutely loved. Um, Perso and other lads he running really close to me because they were the other players I loved, but I just couldn't pick anyone but Michael Moles. He was he was an absolute favourite of mine. No, Moles was you're at world class when we when we signed him. Um, I've still not seen that turn from anyone else. Mm. Um, watch all the football in the world, I've never seen that turn again. Just the, the drop and then the and he was so good at it. And as you said, there defenders would know what he's going to do, but it's it's so good at it yeah. that it it still come out sort of the other way and. Uh, yeah, it's a shame. Sort of looking there is, you know, ninety-eight apps uh, he had for us in, in the end, and he only scored thirty-eight goals. So, it, yeah, not not. I mean, that's still nearly uh, one every two games. But yeah, he could, the injury to to Khan, he, sort mm. of. I, I do remember that that night, and and I remember we we missed so many chances as well. Um, but the injury obviously was the sort of the biggest thing to come out of that because a fit Michael Moles, we could have gone really really far. Uh, in the tournament that year, so uh, no, I think that's a really, really good pick, and um, yeah, I, I, I would, I would, I like the mentions of, of Perso and Avalardi because I was big, big fans of, of them two as well, and uh, Avalardi especially. I think, uh, as you said, to get him, I think it was only two and a half million we got him for, yeah, uh, from from Ajax, and yeah, just, just, just mad. Like you know, we, we're talking about these players, and we're getting them from Borussia Dortmund, Lazio, um, Ajax, and. Mm. Just, just not. It's just not. If we do get players like that, it's development players and players that yeah. have not kicked the ball for them. So that that's our time change. But that's a. So what is that? Is that a four one two one two? I've sort of I've written it out as like a four three one two. So sort right. of like three midfielders with with an attacking. So sort of like a diamond, but without the defensive player. So yeah. unless you're sticking our bets, maybe <laughs> but you're probably not doing that. So it's very attacking. But yeah, and just on our Valadzi, he was another one that. I've seen this back so many times. I don't know if you remember. I don't even know who it's against. I just remember seeing the clip where he's sort of like, it's almost like he's on the side of the box, back to goal, and he sort of like does this sort of full forward thing and manages with, with his heels to like flick the ball up in the air. And it's an outrageous piece of skill, and I still don't know how he did it. But um, he, he had absolutely everything I've allowed to love the guy. I remember that. I remember that, that skill. And yeah, technically, just, just as you said, just top, top draw. Um, but 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 just before we finish up, Stu, I'll let you. Uh, is there was there any? I'll give you two players that sort of you really feel hard done by by not putting them in. <sighs> just looking at it now. Um, I mean, Ronald De Boer is one hundred percent one of them. Um, thought he was, yeah, another guy that like he was. I don't know if he was the last of, but those sort of that worldwide name, and and we signed him you know, still well within the prime of his career, which you just didn't see. And, and obviously you hear afterwards that his knees were going. So that's probably the reason. But 
um, getting a guy directly from sort of Barcelona when man you were sniffing around is is crazy. Um, so yeah, definitely De Boer. Um, there's so many to be honest. There's so it's, many. It's, it's so hard. There's so one. many out. Um, I, do you know what? I just I just picked him up so much. I'm gonna have to go. With it. Um, shot other lads in, and it's probably not going to be a pick for many people. But he, you know, if you go back and you watch how good he was, um, I think a lot of people would, you know, they they probably remember him just being decent. But he was he was a fantastic player. So yeah, Arvaladzi and the ball were really hard to leave out for me. Yeah, no, I agree. And mad to think they both played in the same same team. And last time we won the treble, um, yeah, it was a treble treble winning team. So not actually nice to say that because it's been no, what, it's, yeah, it's disgusting. 20, really. Nearly twenty, nearly should, twenty years. Nearly yeah, 20 and years. it should have been done. That's that's the worst part. Like yeah. you know, we we talk so sort of like um, we're, I think fifty five will always remember it fondly. Yeah. Um, and right, because it should be, because it was a, a monumental season and to go unbeaten, to set those records defensively, which, crazy, it's almost the same defence and, and it's the complete opposite now. Um, but, you know, it, it was a real travesty that, that we didn't finish that off treble-wise. And, and the two teams we've gone out to is is awful stuff to do, really. St Mirren and St Johnston, they're not teams you should be losing to along the way. Um, you know, all the hard work was done. They were knocked out in one, we knocked them out in the other. So that should have been the treble for me. And and, and that's one thing that, you know, Gerard probably didn't win enough, but it'll always, it'll always have a place in our hearts for 55. But that is the one that sticks a little bit of me that it should have been a treble. But, um, he'll, he'll, he'll regret that without yeah. doubt. Yeah, uh, just before we sort of finish up, Stu, I just would like, you know, to, to, to say thanks. And obviously, if you want to say a little bit about the, the rabble and, um, you know, no, obviously, as the gallant few, we support all the other uh, fan media and, and Rangers podcasts. So um, where can we, we catch uh, the rabble if, if listeners want to do that? Yeah, so it's um, at Rangers Rabble on Twitter. Um, we're on YouTube. You know, we do, we do the, the match reactions live and, and the pre-match. Um, you know, we've got quite a bit going on at the moment. There's there's phone-ins on Mondays and Fridays. There's member shows. So um, we, we just had a quiz on, on Sunday night, which was which was great fun. Um, just sank a bit more positive because it has been quite negative lately. Yeah. Um, and, and like you say, you know, we're another one that, that support all the Rangers podcasts. And, um, you know, when you reached out, I spoke to Martin at, at, at Rabble and that, and he was like, look, you know, you, you couldn't get better guys than those guys. So absolutely jump on and, and help them out or, or you know, and, and it helps me out and because it, you know, it's to come on and be on another Rangers podcast, especially one that I listen to as well. So um yeah, it's fantastic and, and I really appreciate being on Storm. No, no, thanks for coming on, mate. Uh, we we really appreciate it and uh, we've really enjoyed it. And that was a, a top top team. And um if if anyone if any listening fancies to to come on and and, and try and beat uh, Stu's team then uh, good luck um, but but please get in touch with with, with the pod and um, through Instagram Twitter Facebook YouTube whatever it is shout out and uh, and come and, and beat Stu so yeah just like to say again thanks Stu for, for coming on and giving us your team and make sure you uh, look out for what's coming over on over the socials in the next few weeks and hopefully yeah after this we're filming this for the international break we've got a lot more positivity coming uh, just before the World Cup so Thanks again, Stu, and thanks, listeners, uh, for listening in. Uh, speak to you soon. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.